If you're Googling digital marketing skills, you want to learn them. This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 98. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. So we all want our content to be found. We want to make sure that when people are looking for what we do, we can be located as the solution to that thing. And we know that one of the only ways of doing that is to be optimized or all of our content to be optimized to be located on search engines. But the problem with that is it's so technical. It's so confusing. It sounds so difficult. We're going to fix that in this episode. Hey, this is Rob and Kennedy. Hello. From Response Suite. And I think SEO stands for Seriously Exhausting Opportunities. <laughs> That's what did I think it stands for. Think of that just I now. did while you were doing that little intro there. That was me. You're I like welcome. what you did. I, like uh, what you did. It's, I mean, it's bloody hard, isn't it? Like, and confusing and just, I'm, I've never been a very big fan. But uh, today's interview is a really great way. We're talking to Brendan Hufford, by the way. Uh, is a really great, simple framework to take that big, complicated monster that is SEO and turn it into something that actually works for you. Yeah, and, and what's really nice about the things we talk about with Brendan today is that he they're actually quite advanced ideas that I had personally never heard of before. I'm not saying that other people hadn't because I'm not really in that world, but I'd never heard of them before. They were quite new on me. And they are simple to do. So they're advanced things that are simple to do, which is not usually something you can achieve. No, but that's what we like. It is what we like. So it's, it's, it's a really, really good interview. Before we get into the interview and get any further, if you love podcasts, which I think you do, we'd really love you to join us on our other podcast, all about email marketing. Look, email marketing has been rated and voted the single greatest return on investment opportunity and a channel for most marketers, in fact, all marketers around the world. And that's because you own the data of your email marketing list. But the thing is, most people are afraid to do it. Most people are thinking, oh, I'm not really sure I want to do it because it feels a bit this and a bit that. The reason for that is most people have not moved forward with their email marketing. Most people are not doing it in an effective way. And I'm a bit overwhelmed by it. I think it's a bit yucky. We decided to take it upon ourselves to change that. And to do it, we launched a podcast to the world called The Email Marketing Show, where every single week we talk to you about current email marketing strategies that you can use to connect deeper with every single one of your subscribers, to move them forward, to help them out more, and also to making you more sales. So go check it out. The Email Marketing Show, you'll find it at blog.responsesuite.com slash show. Mm. But before we go anywhere else to get into today's interview, I want to go into Rob's quote of the week. Yes, because as they say, put your sandwiches in your backpack and you'll never pop the balloon. It feels, I mean, it's, it's, it's right there, isn't it? It's right there in front of us. And I feel just so spiritual about it. Colin here in the office actually had to take a break from his work for a moment there just to reflect. On that. I'm just hoping that a backslash was not missed in the code of response suite. Hopefully not. Uh, because of that moment of awe and deep connection with himself. So I'm really looking forward to this interview because I, I mean, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with SEO and we've got some really good answers in this one. Let's do it. I want to just confirm we're going to pronounce this. Brendan Hufford, does that sound okay? Perfect. There you go. All right. Word. You put, you put the, um, the emphasis on the right syllables. <laughs> Nailed it. That's disgusting. Right. Let's do, let's do this. Let's do this. I'll do hello. Do you want to do, and mm-hmm. you can do the uh, SEO. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Not uh, don't say uh. Not one of Vile. Also fine. Thanks. Right, okay, here we go. Brendan, man, welcome to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast. How are you? 
I am freaking ecstatic to be here. Thanks for having me on. We're so excited. It's so good to be here. We want to dive into this SEO thing. You know, as digital marketers and people who are mostly selling like courses and information products, most of us are like used to buying ads and driving those into very direct response funnels and all of that stuff, which doesn't feel very conducive to SEO. So for people like us, where does SEO even fit if it does at all? Yeah, I think when when I think about search engine optimization and trying to rank better in Google for the things, the, the problems that we help solve in the world, um, really as, as much as Google is this, wants to pretend that they are this big company about self-driving cars and uh, you know, really cool glasses that never took off, but were still a really neat idea um, and all these other things. <laughs> like really what they are is they're an advertising company. They make most of their revenue from the ads that they serve in their search engines. So they vehemently protect search results as much as me and my colleagues in the SEO industry think that it's uh, a big conspiracy with Google being out to get us and all of these other things. Like they know uh, as soon as their search results are not good and are not helpful, um, they're running a billion split tests at any given second just to make sure that they're the most helpful they can be. Because as soon as they're not, we'll go somewhere else. We'll start using a different search engine and they'll lose all of their ad revenue and the whole company will fall apart. Your story, what's, what's really interesting about that, incidentally, is it's the same with you know, Facebook and all the social platforms. They have to make sure that the content and the ads, so the ads are good. They have to create the like theme the park that everybody wants to go to. So I've never thought about the Google search results in that way. So that's, first sure. of all, really interesting. Sure, sure. Okay, so you were about to say something there, and I'm sure it was fa- more fascinating than what Robin rubbed it with. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just going to say, so they're always looking, like, if you have really good content, there are ways to speed up it being surfaced in search. Um, I talked to a really smart marketer the other day from a company, his name's Bernard. He's a founder of a company called ClearScope. Uh, helps you find gaps in your content. Uh, it's really brilliant technology. And he was just explaining to me, um, you know, really the question is not uh, if your content will ever rank. It's just how long. Your content might rank in five or six years if you just put this, this whole idea of like, just write really amazing stuff that solves problems and everything else and Google will figure it out. They will. And if you have five or six years to wait, then by all means, just write things and, you know, pray that that's it gets the thing though, isn't it? A lot of us think, well, that's great, but I can, and I can do that and I can write a nice bit of content and link the holy hell out of it and do, and be nice, you know, play the Google game. Or I could whack on a, a Facebook ad or a Google ad now. It'll get approved at some point, very soon, probably. And we'll be making, we'll be making sales. We'll be able to get results. We're able to start measuring and judging. So it's no wonder it's quite difficult for many of us to go, yeah, let's have a go at the SEO thing because I'd like to be rich in five years. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's not, it doesn't take as long as people think it takes. Uh, the people that are good at it um, really understand a few fundamental things. And I think that's what I'm most excited about right now. It, well, first of all, it's that uh, a rising tide raises all boats, right? As my site starts to pick up authority in one area, Google sees all these other articles and they're like, well, those are on an authoritative website now we should rank those higher as well. Um, so then when we continue to publish over and over and over, that's why you see, uh, like, let's be honest, if you've been on Forbes lately, that's the worst website experience I've ever had. It's awful. It's yeah. so bad. Thousand ads. I, I literally did a screenshot the other day where I just highlighted the actual part that you could read and everything else around it was nonsense, but it was something like 20% of the screen. 
And then and, halfway through that article, they're asking you to click to expand more, which you can't because you haven't, you know, got the right color shirt on. And, you know, it, it's awful. It is, but it still ranks well. Why? Because they've created so much content. And what happens is because it's business related content, a lot of times when people are writing new articles, they do very cursory research and then they link to what's already ranking in Google. Um, so Forbes picks up all of these links constantly and it's hard for Google to figure out like, hey, this is actually a really bad experience because their link velocity, the speed at which they pick up new links is so high. Um, but the way we can win against that is in, and I believe this very, very much long-term, like their site is going to tank. Either they're going to have to drop all of their ads and that horrible experience, or the site's going to absolutely bottom out. They'll put out some big algorithm update and we'll see Forbes just drop off the map. Uh, we saw that with news. And then what will happen is from those news stories, they'll get more high power backlinks. and They'll pop back up again though, right? They could. Um, they certainly could, but like, I, I, have you read an article on Forbes lately? I like, if never before, I do remember trying. I got, I think, three lines in and realized I was reading an ad again. Yeah, it's awful. There's, there's no reason for it. Um, but that's so. That's like what Google is really dealing with right now. Is all right. We've built this algorithm. They're hiring consultants to come in and explain to them what their algorithm does because it's so advanced that they're like, we think it should be doing this but here's what it's spitting out. Can you tell us what we tweaked and what we did different and why that might be happening? They're really building the team around that because that is that algorithm is the, the Google product. It is the most important thing that they have. Um, the way that we win with that is simply, there's obviously a lot of uh, ways to win, but really kind of for me comes down to a couple core things. Like, first of all, is just making the internet better for humans. Right. Is your website have a really good user experience using the Forbes example? Are you the opposite of that? Is it a really good experience? Is it really obvious what the people should be doing on the page? Is your website super fast? This is the biggest win of everybody. I have like a free SEO course and all these other things. Nothing has helped people more than just me helping them speed their website up. Their website simply being faster is better for everything. It's better for their ads. It's better for SEO. It's better for, uh, you know, getting traffic from your email list. Like it's better for everything. Um, okay. That sounds amazing. Let's dig into that. Like, let's go deep into that. So let's say right now, whether we're running ads or we're going to go for this SEO thing, we want to make our stuff load faster because that's going to do better. Imp- that's going to have improvement across the board. Like, can you give us some quick wins on what we should do right away to make our sites load faster? Yeah. So I think a lot of times people think that the S the plugin that helps SEO or is the plugin that calls itself the SEO plugin, if that makes sense. So a lot of times people think like, um, Yoast or something similar like that. And those aren't actually the best plugins for SEO. The plugins for SEO are the ones that make your website better for humans. Um, so I don't like to bloat a website, specifically talking about WordPress here, because that's what most of what I work on. It's all of that what I work on and what most of my clients use. I have a f- couple clients that use Squarespace, uh, but I'm trying to help them with that. Uh, and I think I, I, so I usually use like two plugins. Um, I'll explain kind of what they do really quickly. The whole idea is we want to make sure that our images aren't too big, that they load super fast. And the things that are not currently on the page are going to not load if we don't need to. So this is especially valuable if you have like a really long um, sales page or you have a really long piece of content. Like if you have just tons of stuff in there and it's trying to load the whole thing and you've embedded tweets and done all of this really good stuff to make it really great content, embedded Instagram uh, posts and stuff, like 
it's going to take a long time to load and that's not optimal. So we want to make sure that we get the stuff that's loading on the page. Like it's all that we need. Right. Um, I use two plugins primarily. One is called Autoptimize. Uh, looks like the word auto and optimize combined. And then another one by the same uh, creator called Async JavaScript. And that those two take care of most because I'm not, I'm a marketer. I'm not a developer. Um, I really like that because again, like it takes care of everything automatically and I don't have to waste time on that. And I can get back to doing what I do best, uh, which for me is SEO. But for most people, it's creating courses and it's selling those courses and info products. Sure, sure. And we'll link to both of those uh, plugins in the show notes, of course. Now, again, for a lot of us, we might be wondering, well, where does SEO really fit into what we do? Obviously, we talked about WordPress there. So that could be a blog or, or, you know, like where we host our podcast, for example. But it could be, and this might be people who are like building landing pages in, in WordPress or something. They might be, and I think it's probably, the, I think I probably know the answer, but I want to know from you and why. People are probably not able to take like their standard landing page that has very little content on it, maybe a video of them, and, and they're never going to get that to the top of Google, right? And, and if that's the case, then I suppose, what should we be looking to do? Where does this fit into a funnel for people like us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I always like to build, especially if you're selling anything that's high ticket, right? If you have like a tripwire offer, you have something really low level that maybe somebody will buy for like $9 or something or 20 or 19 or what, you know, all those numbers that end in nine or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that those types of things, you can put those on the site. But I, I've always found the best success is launching things with dedicated landing pages through my email list, really building that list that I own. Um, and you know, I'm not going to lose if Facebook deletes my account or I'm not going to lose if something happens to my YouTube channel. Um, even though I love both of those platforms as well. Uh, I, so I really build the email list and then the landing page stuff really doesn't matter because you're sending those out to the people who are going to be most likely to buy anyway, or retargeting them and sending ads back directing to those. So now so, we can lovely SEO to get our blogs and stuff ranked, get those people onto our list from the blog and then email market them the stuff. So it's like building our own audience rather than like paying for some of Facebook's audience, for example. A hundred percent. And what I love about Google and what I love about search is even when you stop paying and you stop working on it, those, those results have compounded. So we have this exponential growth. Um, mm-hmm. Most people, when they write an article on their website, They have, and they look at their analytics, they share the article on social, maybe they've run some ads to it, maybe they've done whatever, um, and they share it and it's great and they get feedback and they look at their analytics and they have this spike of hope where they're like, oh yeah, it's taking off, everybody loves this. And then it's uh, what Rand Fishkin, formerly from Moz, called the flat line of nope afterwards, where just nobody ever goes to that article ever again. Right. (laughs) what we want to do with search is we want to share it, right? We want that, that uh, almost like virality to it of like, oh, everybody's sharing it. It creates this thing where it's like, I've seen this seven times on Twitter today. I should probably go read it, things like that. And, but then we also want search to pick it up over time, over the next month or two or three months and start sending a little bit of traffic to it and then a little bit more and a little bit more. And when we stack that article and stack another one on top of it and 100 articles and 300 articles, all of a sudden we have this momentum behind our website where people are finding us again and again. This is amazing. We're talking about the longevity of that, the value of that bit of content. Because for a lot, lot of us, a piece of content goes out. Uh, we, we spend all that time laboring over that bit of content. We put it out there. We get all the graphics done for it. And it's, it's a gorgeous thing. And then we might put some ads behind it or we share it on the social channels. And then it has a spike. And then after a while, it sort of tapers out, tapers out. And then eventually it, 
it's it's like a no man's land at all. It's like it's completely it's it's dead. Whereas by having the additional SEO benefits, we have a chance of actually getting a lot more long term value from that bit of content we're putting out. Which is great. I mean, with this with this piece, there's really two bits to it. There's the upfront kind of, I guess it's like an auditing job of looking at your existing blog and going through and saying, okay, great, what's currently not helping my SEO? And, and what can I add that will help my SEO? So there's that bit. And then there's the ongoing stuff of making sure that you write the content in the right way. So focusing on that initial step, we've already talked about the speed of the site. So that's a great one. What other mm-hmm. things should people be looking for in that if they want to sort of audit their current website for what might be kind of holding them back or what could uh, propel them forward? What should we be looking at SEO wise? Definitely. So there's really three things that I look at. Um, the, obviously the speed is part of it and I'll kind of circle back to that in a second, but I call it the I am SEO framework. It's the letters I, A, and M. So I am, uh, the first thing is intent. This is something I hear next to nobody talking about in SEO. I've only ever heard one other person, uh, in SEO talk about it, how I would think correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we're talking about with intent is when I'm Googling something, what do I actually want? What do I, act, I'm Googling um, for, you know, uh, blue running shoes. What do I actually want? Well, Google knows that blue running shoes is somebody who probably wants to buy them. They know that they want running shoes. They know they want blue ones. We just have to show them a bunch of them. If you Google blue running shoes right now, it's almost all images and almost all product landing pages. But, you know, what if I Google something else? What if I Googled, I don't know, build my email list? What do, what do I actually want there if I'm Googling build my email list? And the best way to kind of figure it out is just to Google that. So many people want to rank in search, but they don't actually Google the thing that they're writing about and do at least a little bit of cursory research and see like, hey, what is, what is actually ranking here? I'll give you a quick example. Um, we wrote an article a while back. Uh, about digital marketing skills. And it was all about the way that we teach um, a class at the University of Chicago on digital marketing. And so we just documented like, it was the 6,000 word epic post. We did all the old school SEO things that you need to do um, to rank well in search. It was super long, 6,000 words, covered everything that we taught. And we're like, this is the best piece of content ever on learning digital marketing skills. That's what we thought. If you're Googling digital marketing skills, you want to learn them. So we're going to teach them to you. And we never actually Googled digital marketing skills. <laughs> and when you Google digital marketing skills, literally, uh, I'll read you the first page. Top 10 skills to become a rock star in digital marketing. 15 essential skills, seven essential skills, 20 essential skills for digital marketers, 16 skills that'll make you a proficient, like the, the nine digital, 10 digital skills, 10 in-demand digital marketing skills. That's the whole first page. They are all listicles. They are all bullet points. Google has figured out when somebody is Googling digital marketing skills, they just want a list. They need to know, and that's it. And they want to know what they want to know what those skills are. That's what they're looking for. Yep. They're not looking for the, the how, the how to learn them and how to get results with them. And we, we made something great, but we didn't match the intent properly. And no matter how many links I built to that, no matter how much I tried to push it up, it, it would get to the first page, low first page, and then just drop right back out. And then we'd get it back huh. in there, we'd get some momentum right back out. And it was because it wasn't matching the intent. And when people did click it, they just went right back to Google. They were like, oh, I don't want this giant epic piece. Um, so I think the first thing you have to match is the intent. What are people actually looking for? And the easiest win I can give you there without using any sort of paid tools 
um, like a clear scope or hrefs or anything like that. It's just simply to Google the thing and look at what's ranking right now. Now there might be a chance they're ranking because they're on just a really high authority domain and the content is actually garbage, but open, you know, do, do what I usually do. Open 10 tabs, open them all, look through them really quickly and be like, all right, here's some trends that I see. Here's some things that I see uh, in common amongst the titles and in common amongst the content. And that gives me an idea of the intent. And after I know the intent, number two is the asset, the A and the I am framework. Then I'm going to actually create the thing. Or if I already have the thing, I'm going to try to improve it to match that intent. Um, I feel very strongly that the skills of copywriters are very quickly overlapping with the skills of SEO, just because we have to do deep research before we ever put a word on the page as to like, what do these people actually want? How do we meet them where they are? There's a great book called uh, Breakthrough Advertising by Eugene Schwartz that really, it's like this crazy book that's the, the copyright's owned by one guy. You have to like buy it for $125 off his website. It's kind of silly, but it's this great old school like copywriting book. And he walks through this awareness framework in there that's extremely helpful. And I use that a lot to inform like how I create blog posts and what I write in them. Some blog posts I don't want to give them any answers. I just want to empathize with them. That's when somebody's Googling that, all they want is you to just hear, you know, just flesh out their pains and uh, address all of them and let them, you know, make them feel seen and make them feel heard. And then you can push them to another piece of content. I absolutely love that. In fact, I love it so much. We're going to use it because we've still got the M to get to. We're going to use that tease everybody as we interrupt for our first game of the episode. That's right. We've created a custom game for you, of course, as we, uh, as we always do for every guest. And this game is very, very well thought through. It's, ve- it's not even a shoehorn required. This is not, uh, this is, this is not you know, a terrible Do you want to explain game. how you came up with this one, Rob? Yeah. So basically, obviously your surname is Hufford, uh, H-U-F-F-O-R-D. Now, I don't know if this... I just say I'm so excited for this. This is so great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lower your expectations. Please. Um, <laughs> I don't know whether or not this, this word translates across the pond, but over here in the UK, we have a word uh, that is to get into a huff, right? If you get into a huff about something, does that word translate or not? Yeah, like you're upset or, ah, uh, yeah, or, like, or like, like angry or whatever. Okay, so you've gone in a huff. Good. In that case, this is going to be a great game. So what we've done is we've made a list <laughs> of 10 things, right? 10 things that have uh, either generally irritate one of us or have actually happened to us and that one specific incident really irritated us, made us angry. It put us into a huff. And your job... Describe it to you. We're going to describe it to you. And your job is to figure out who it happened to or who it upsets, who it puts in a huff. Now, I should tell you <laughs> that Kennedy is much grumpier than me. So just bear that in mind as we go through this. Uh, that'll, there's a little clue for you. So Rob, you. Rob or Kennedy, here we go. Okay, so who was this one for the first one? Um... Who gets in a huff when people reschedule meetings? Is it Rob or Kennedy? Kennedy. Correct. Bingo. Yes, that really annoys me. Who gets in a huff when other people eat really noisily? With a... A little bit. I hope all of these are just Kennedy. Um... I'm going to go Rob on this one. No, it's Rob who does the noise. That's right. Kennedy is irritated because I eat noisily. Oh, you eat noise. And you just bloody did it then on the podcast, you horrible human being. Okay, next one. So you've got one so far. That's pretty good going. Okay. Um, who, which one of us, is it Rob or Kennedy, who gets upset, annoyed, in a huff when other people shuffle decks of cards? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Kennedy again. 
That one's Rob. That oh, one's Rob. I'm just trying to play the odds. Ah, you yeah. see, you probably don't want to think this through too hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next one. <laughs> who gets really, really annoyed? Who gets in a massive huff when he has to repeat himself? Rob. No, it's me. I'll say it again. It's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I see what you did there. See? Uh, I've just done one, so I'll let you read this one. Oh, that was me. Yeah, it was you. Okay, cool. I was thinking I had my name next to it. Okay, fine. Um, so the next one uh, is, uh, who gets in a huff about sushi? Just generally. Just generally. <laughs> uh, Rob. No, it's me. Just cook the bloody fish. <laughs> The fish I've got did. one so far. This is awesome. <laughs> You've got what? You're doing very well. Who gets really in a huff when uh, people put dates in sticky toffee pudding desserts? Oh, it's so specific. Um, Kennedy. It's Rob. You're doing very well at missing them all. It's very good. It's also like playing the game of opposites. <laughs> <laughs> Which of us would get in a huff if you put baked beans on their food? Kennedy. No, that'll be Rob. I love him. I love him. Rob's like too many of them. Yeah, yeah, it's it's lovely. Now, one of us gets in a massive huff if people use the little pots of sauce that you get from McDonald's, the little sachets of sauce from McDonald's, take them home and use them on your own French fries made at home. Which one of us is that? Oh, what kind of monsters do that? (laughs) Uh, Exactly. I'm going to go Kennedy. No, that oh, was Rob. Me. That was Rob. That was Rob. So I feel like we've had, been having a backward relationship. No, this here. one's a very specific one. This one's a very specific Okay. Which one of us got in a huff because they checked into a hotel, went in to find a human shit in the bathtub? In the bathtub, ladies and In the bathtub. I'd be more concerned if it wasn't human. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, Kennedy? Yes! You've broken your record. I'm kind of disappointed in you. And finally, (laughs) actually quite fittingly after that last one, which one of us gets really annoyed when other people take offense at swear words or curse words? Rob. Yes. That is Rob. That is me. It is Rob. Three out of ten. Three out of ten. And that's the end of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And your career. Now, of course, we still need to dig in and find out the M of the I am. So, so far we've got intent and then we've got this asset. So you're going to create that thing or improve the thing you've already got. Then what happens? Where's this M? Well, the great thing is this applies to everything, every type of search. So Google search, uh, Pinterest is a search engine and YouTube. You can use this model for no matter what kind of media you're creating. Also, Um, everything. Love that. Um, so the M is the medium. It's, am I creating a video on YouTube? Am I creating a pin? Am I creating an article or some sort of page on my website? So talking specifically about Google SEO, it really just comes full circle to, is my medium up to par? Is it, is it fast? Is it accessible? Um, is, do I have any other sorts of glaring issues on the website where people can't navigate around or find what I need them to find? So I really just, yeah, like you said, I make sure the intent is spot on. I create an asset and then matches that intent and serve it to them on a medium that is exactly kind of optimized for them. Uh, if it's a video, I'm making sure that I have, uh, that I've optimized it to be like 1080p instead of just like, you know, 720 or something. I'm making sure that I'm keeping their attention throughout of it, really leveraging everything I can in the video. Um, and I think when you put all three of those together, it gives you a very accessible framework. It's not, 
you know, a lot of people think that SEO is making the little light turn green in your quote unquote SEO plugin. And really that doesn't help you at all. What really helps you is kind of matching those three things. And how does it like work? Obviously, we talked very briefly at the top of the episode about making it human friendly. And of course, as the Google algorithm continues to grow in its intelligence, because it's obviously AI, um, we have to consider the human element. But like, where's that intersection of, yes, you've got to have the right keywords on the page, probably, so that it goes, oh, this is a page about sausages. Lovely. Uh, whereas if you didn't mention sausages on that page at all, how would it know it's about sausages indeed? Um, but how do you balance that? with not making it so it's all like technically sausages. Yes. Yeah. Don't stuff the sausages. Mm, that's good. sausage stuffing. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's kind of like the, the example I give uh, a lot is if I was writing an article about the history of Chicago mm-hmm. and I used, you know, the words history in Chicago in the title and then never again in the whole article, that would be weird, but it would be equally weird to use it every other word. You know, my favorite sausages are the sausages at the sausage shop down the road. Like that's awful. Right. Um, so I think it really comes down to making sure, and this is where I really like that research. What are the, what's ranking right now? And what are the topics they're talking about? Is there something that I can put my own spin on? That's, I think, honestly, I think like the number one search ranking is having something to say, having a freaking opinion, like, especially in the, the world that I live in, in SEO, if you, it, because of the nature of the work, you almost cannot learn SEO by Googling how to learn SEO because it just ends up becoming this like spitting contest between me and my nerdy friends trying to outrank each other for that sort of stuff. And it's not always the most helpful things. Like it's really not at all. Right. Um, so I think that that's kind of part of it. Um, yeah, I guess I'm trying to think of like a good example, but I think when it really comes down to it, as far as like keywords and stuff and topics, it's really just looking at like what's already in there. What are, if I wanted to cover this in the same way that of what's already ranking, but put my own spin on it, have actually have something to say, have an opinion, put a flag in the ground, take a stand, do that as well. And I think that that, when you come down to it, that's really where it is. It's more of a topical type of thing in Google now. Um, I call it topical research versus keyword research. I think the era of keywords is dead because if you look at the top kind of pieces of content out there, they're ranking for thousands of keywords. You can't optimize for that. Um, so it's really about covering the, covering the topic in the correct way. This is great. One of the things I've always wondered about is whether or not SEO is too much of a full-time job for somebody like me as a small, you know, one or two man business to be able to do, you know, for example, you know, if you're a, I don't know, just a, an info product seller creating courses and you work on your own, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, you know, we're lucky there's our little team around us, but if you work on your own, you might think, oh, this sounds like too much work for me to do in amongst everything else I've got to do, like email marketing and ads and product, product creation, all that other stuff. Is this something that actually, you know, we can all get super great results on our own? Is it something we have to start outsourcing if you want to get super results? Where does it fit? Yeah, I think that, so it is something you obviously can hire for, like, that's how I make my living. Um, and you can do it really effectively. It's, it's one of the things, you know, some things are a little harder to, uh, outsource like social media is a little harder to outsource because, because then they don't have access to the behind the scenes and the personal goings on and things like that. It can be a little harder. You have to hire somebody really good. Um, you can outsource for SEO, but I, I think nobody knows your customer and nobody knows your ideal client or whatever it is better than you. And nobody knows their pain points better than you. 
Um, I don't think all content has to be written for SEO. I have most of what's on brendanhufford.com is not SEO focused. It's just um, things I had opinions about and wanted to write about. Um, so I think that that stuff definitely has its place. But yeah, I do think when it comes down to it, I think my best advice would be to understand what you're paying for with anything. If you're going to hire somebody, you need to do it yourself. So you understand, all right, this is worth X amount of money to me because I know how much I don't want to do it myself. And you may start doing it just like with any sort of marketing effort. I think you should always try to focus on things. The, the worst thing you can do in marketing is try to do everything at once, right? I'm going to start a podcast and a YouTube channel and be big on Pinterest and I'm going to do SEO and I'm going to do paid go. Like that's a nightmare. You're probably going to do all of them really poorly right. and get bad results. Um, if you are going to do SEO or like any other type of marketing tactic, I would give it some time. I would dedicate, all right, I'm going to put this much effort focusing 80% of my day on it or 80% of my time, my marketing time, whatever we want to call that, uh, to SEO for three months or six months or whatever and see where I land. Um, I think with that kind of effort, anybody can see results, especially if you focus on those, what I call bottom of funnel keywords, those things that people are Googling when they're pretty much about to buy the thing or do the thing that you want them to do. Um, and I would definitely start there. I don't think there's any reason you don't have to go after some giant, you know, I'm not trying to rank uh, number one for email marketing in the next month. Like that's going to be a big challenge. Right. But if I wanted to rank for something like, you know, how to grow my email list as I don't know, a parent blogger or how to grow my email list in this sort of niche. Well, all of a sudden you put out that guide and everybody in that industry is Googling for that sort of stuff. Um, you start to like, oh, wow. All right. This is very much more targeted audience. I can speak directly to them. They're more likely to opt in. They're more likely to sign up. They're more likely to, et cetera. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And one of the things I think as someone who sort of dabbled and dipped my proverbial toe in the water of SEO, I know one of the things I've, I've sort of picked up along the way, and correct me if I'm wrong, is to take a look at, you know, your current sort of domain authority or page authority that you're, you're, you currently have, and then look at what the, the competitors are doing on that sort of first 10 spots. But doing that can be really disencouraging. It can be like, well, I want to rank for, uh, you know, nail technicians in Newcastle. And you realize actually my, my domain authority is like zero because I'm a new business. Um, and the, and the top page all has page ranks of between 65 and, you know, 25. Should that put us off? Should we just say, actually, let's go find a different one? Or should we like still go for that keyword, but realize that that's going to be our, our longer term goal? Like when you're looking at a campaign to actually get started, because the bit of SEO that always sticks me up, it sort of like always sticks me to the ground is finding the keywords that I feel actually I can do something with. So what's your guidance around that, Brandon? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. I think it can be really overwhelming, right? Like, yeah, I mean, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm competing with this huge website. I'm competing, you know, in my industry, a lot of the B2B marketing content, uh, you're almost always going to find HubSpot up there, right? Like, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to outrank HubSpot. They have like oh, a billion links. It's impossible. Yeah. Um, but maybe the answer isn't necessarily to outrank them. It's just to look at the things where they're ranking for a lot of these big giant topics. Maybe we could create something that addresses people a little further down the awareness funnel. So I kind of break this into to, and I'll try to cover these really briefly, four different areas. And this is where it kind of tying back to what we talked about with breakthrough advertising with Eugene Schwartz. There's people who are problem aware. They know the problems and pains that they have. Um, and they're just Googling the, the, those issues. They're Googling, you know, 
um, I don't even know, make money online. They're Googling um, or they're Googling back pain or something. They just know they have these pain points, but they're not really sure. Um, and maybe make money online is a good one for the next one. So those are people that are problem aware. People who are solution aware, they know that there's a solution to their problems. They just need to know how that solution solves their problems. So if I, I you know, maybe make money or, or like I need to make more money is the problem aware level. Solution aware is like, all right, make money online. I know that there's a solution out there for me. I know I can do this on the internet. I don't know how, Right. And we go further down. So it's problem aware, solution aware, and then product aware. They know at product aware, they know your product. They know how your kind of solution solves their pain, whatever your product is. Um, you just have to explain like of me and my competitors, whether you perceive them to be competitors or your ideal client or customer does, like how is your solution the best for them? And then all the way at the bottom is the most aware. These are people Googling around pricing or reviews or things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I would really start, you know, if you're just that, starting out, not though, is that, I mean, is that, the, is that what you would say? Hey, let's go optimize for this product aware bottom of the funnel bit. Is that, is that the big quick win? hundred percent. I always start with bottom of funnel, especially if you're making, you're making anywhere from, uh, you know, somewhere in the six figures plus realm. If you have a digital product or you have a course or you have a membership site, there's people Googling for reviews on it. There's people Googling for these other things. And what's I, what I love, and this is something really cool that we've been seeing a lot more in SEO lately, is the same person who owns SEO or helps with SEO also helps with partnerships. So if I have like 10 or 15 people in my community or who have bought my course who have their own websites, how can I incentivize them to write about? their experience. Um, and yes, we would get links back and links are great, but now those things are going to rank for reviews around our stuff. And we're going to own the whole first page. Like we're never going to rank for a review of our own stuff on our own website. That's bizarre. Um, and nobody would trust it even if they clicked on it. But all of a sudden when the whole first page is people that I've asked to write reviews on the thing, well now we own the whole first page and that's, that's better than anything else that we could get. And we can start that. to move up the funnel from there. I love it because there's nothing more frustrating as well. It's happened to me literally in the last 24 hours where I'd heard about a product. I was actually listening to a podcast and I heard about this great product and I thought, I'll remember that. And then I went to sleep and I got up the next morning and I'm like in the morning and I, I searched for the thing and I couldn't find the product. Like I'm typing your product name in. I would really like to like take a trial or even buy the damn thing. I don't even know how much it is and I can't find it. So that bottom of the funnel thing, like if you can't rank for your own your own damn product name and bloody hell, you know, that's really bad. <laughs> I mean, as we start to wrap this up then, I want to know what are some realistic timeframes and expectations? So, you know, I know you said there, if somebody dedicated a bunch of their time, they could probably expect to get some sort of results in three months. One of the problems with SEO, of course, is it's sort of invisibly happening in the background, you know, between now and three months time, you're doing a load of stuff, hoping it's going to make a difference. And then mm -hmm. at some point you'll, you'll get that ranking and it's going to, it's going to appear. Right. But obviously along the way, it would be nice to see some sort of, um, I suppose, directional things happening to make, to imply that this is maybe going to work. So what's the sort of time frame we should be looking at before we start to see something happen? And what is the thing we should see? Yeah, I think, so I think a, a big part is like doing the research first. The research is what's going to take most of the time. Even if you already have articles on your website, doing again, like re-researching them, making sure that it's actually matching that intent and stuff is going to take most of the time. Um, and I would put a good, like, I, depending on how much time you have you can dedicate to it, I'd put a couple weeks into just rewriting and re-researching all of that sort of content. Um, and then kind of looking at where it's going to go. 
then from there, I, I think reassessing every 60 to 90 days. If you want micro data, it's very hard if you look in your Google Analytics to be like, I guess traffic went up from search. I can filter for organic search and I see it's going up and maybe five more people went to this article than last month. So I guess that's good. Um, where you can see a lot of really good data is in Google Search Console. Um, you can see the click-through rate of your titles. You can mess with titles and descriptions to see that. You can see what they're ranking for. Maybe you're ranking for some search terms and the click-through rate is like 40% because you're crushing it. But these other search terms you're also ranking for, they have a lot of impressions, but nobody's clicking it. And you're like, hmm, I must not be matching the intent properly there. You know, from my title and description, nobody thinks that my content is the best for this. That's a massive um, takeaway there for me, by the way. That's huge. If you're getting the impressions, but not the click-through rate, then it's the intent that we probably need to figure out. Not just like use a different word for hurry up or whatever. You know, it's, it's really about the intent. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, like you can look at the other, like, all right, look at the number one and the number two, like they get a lot of clicks because they're ranked there, but are they doing anything smart? Um, for example, I was looking at, this is so amazing. The other day I was looking for, uh, this is such, I'll just admit it. Uh, I was looking for suits like James Bond wears. Of course. Uh, of course and if you Google James Bond, like James Bond suits, like mm-hmm. it, the number one thing is it, the title is like seven suits that James Bond wears, but it actually says 007, like they're in parenthesis. And I'm like, that is the wittiest title I've ever seen in my whole life. And I loved it. And it gets all the clicks, I'm sure. And when, if you scroll a little farther down, you can see some other articles have started mimicking it because it's so good. Very, very the answer is Tom Ford, by the way, I think, isn't it? Isn't, doesn't, he, doesn't he wear Tom Ford suits? I'm sure he does. don't know. I think you do. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and interrupt. I'll leave it, have that hanging in the air there, thinking about Tom Ford and James Bond. And we're going to <laughs> go into our second game. This is, of course, our favorite game of every episode. This is where Kennedy, my colleague here, hello, that's him, he's going to sing a song for you now, but he's going to sing a song in the style of a traditional British pub singer. That means that some of the words <laughs> and the tune will be somewhat hard to recognize. Okay. Your job is simply to guess what song Kennedy is singing. Uh, at the end of his performance. So off you go. There we go. What do you think that was? I didn't want it to end. That was so great. <laughs> Nobody has ever said that before. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I wanted to uh, answer with, with strong confidence, just some random answer, but I have no idea. Uh, it, had the cl- it, has the classic, it has the classic anthem tune in it, it as did. well. did. I even skipped a little bit there. That was uh, the final countdown by Europe. Oh, and you did, you nailed it. That was what that was. Good job. I'm awful. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was gorgeous. All right. Before we head into the quick fire (laughs) round, could you give us a list of your favorite tools as an SEO professional that you think are the best tools in the business right now that you rely on for SEO? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the, the one I would start with is if you're just getting started with SEO, there's a tool called Hrefs. It's the letter A-H-R-E-F-S.com. Uh, it's a witty thing because an href in uh, HTML code means a link. So it's like, an, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, 
could have done better from a branding perspective. I love Ahrefs. Uh, I love ClearScope lately. ClearScope's really expensive, um, but it's amazing. If you have a ton of content and you want to quickly, literally with the click of a button, see where the gaps are in that content, things that the other people ranking, all the things I described here, ClearScope does with a button. Um, <laughs> I've only recently discovered it and it's like, wow, that saves me so much time. Uh, so ClearScope.io is another one. Um, and then really, like I mentioned earlier, like making sure that I'm on WordPress, making sure I have really good hosting. I love Flywheel. Uh, it's who I host all of my most important websites with. Um, yeah, those are really the things that I advocate the most. Awesome. Well, without further ado, let's dive over into what we lovingly refer to as the quick fire round. Hey, hey. You don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. Tell me, Brandon, what is a book you recommend? Uh, I recommend The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. I have tattoos of it on like of reminders on my forearms because of that book. I recommend it to everybody. That's dedication for you. Give us one of your top success habits, something that you do regularly. Um, so I'll give you two. Uh, number one, the top success habit that nobody talks about is uh, picking the right spouse. Um, I think it's the most important thing in the world. And then number two oh, is uh, just paying attention to what you eat. Nothing helps me be better in business and in life than not eating a bunch of junk all the time. Okay. Love it. Okay. And which entrepreneur or marketer do you look up to? Um, so obviously I look up to Ryan Holiday quite a bit. Uh, he's the author of The Obstacles Away. He's a great marketer. Um, but also two other people. Uh, one is Pat Flynn and the other one is Jason Zook. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Uh, what are your, apart from the SEO ones you've talked about, what are your favorite apps that you rely on and think other people should know about? Um, I r- very religiously time block myself out um, in Google Calendar. So when Google Calendar, I know it's a really silly answer, but when Google Calendar changed their design not that long ago, I freaked out. It was, it was a, like a life-changing thing because I spent so much time in there. Um, and then I think outside of that, one of the things that keeps, helps keep me sane is uh, Buffer. I use Buffer for a lot of my social media. Yeah. Um, and then also there's a Chrome extension on Facebook that blocks your newsfeed. Uh, so things called Newsfeed Eradicator. Uh, that is my favorite thing in the world uh, because I'm never distracted. I never get caught in the newsfeed. People all the time are like, hey, do you, I'm sure you saw my post. Nah, man, I didn't because I go on Facebook to <laughs> it work. Eradicated. It was eradicated. <laughs> I don't see anything. Question for you. And that is, who do you like more, Redhead Rob or Platinum Kennedy? <sighs> I got to go. So I feel like this is such an easy one to punt. Uh, and be like, you know, it's both. Uh, I got to go Rob. I love the red hair, man. I wanted to have red hair for a while. Uh, there's a YouTuber called Mark, his name's Markiplier on YouTube and he has red hair. And I'm like, I want that. Brendan, you're a man of taste. What can I say? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he didn't sing to you. That's all I'm saying. So finally, tell us where can people go to find out more about you and everything you're doing? Um, I'll pretend it's because I'm good at SEO that you can Google Brendan Hufford and misspell it as much as you like, and you'll still find me. Uh, it's also just I'm that I'm blessed with a very unique name. Um, I'm going to spell it uh, like Sandra. Sandra, <laughs> Sandra Hufford. See if that one, see if that uh, gets me. I hope I rank number one for Sandra Hufford as well. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to go change the title of my website uh, next right time now. time we interview you, <laughs> I want to see that as number one. Perfect. 
I'm going to, I'll set up a page. Uh, so anyways, um, yeah, if you Google Brendan Hufford, definitely, uh, brendanhufford.com is the home base. I have a cool project called hundred days of SEO. Uh, there's an SEO challenge attached to that. My goal with hundred days of SEO is just to produce. I was so tired of all of the weird, bad thought leader content out there in my industry. So I decided to make my own content and I'm making a hundred videos, a hundred blog posts and a hundred podcast episodes on SEO topics. You could also look uh, in any of your favorite podcast players, for, just look up 100 days of SEO and you'll find my podcast as well. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, you can check out 100daysofseo.com slash challenge. Uh, that'll take you to the one ranking away challenge, which is really just a five day, it was 30 days and I kind of broke it down to five days, really just teaching a lot of the stuff, a little bit more in depth of what we talked about today. Sweet. Loved dude, it, loved thank it. you so much for spending this time with us. This has been amazing. This has been so good. Cheers, dude. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. So now... Se- Go, Brandon. Go, Brandon. <laughs> like, that was good. SEO suddenly stands for Simple Exciting Opportunities. See what I've Did done? you spend the whole time that interview was playing thinking of that? Yeah. Thanks, mate. That's really good use of your time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they pay me the big <laughs> That I love that. I really love that. And it doesn't have to be as complicated. I feel like we can... I don't think as many of us couldn't go and implement that using those tools. So great plug into that. Again, fresh on me. I can definitely go and implement. Where we're going to find out all the show notes and links to all the things that we talked about there because there was loads. Yes, it's all over at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash 098. And if you haven't already, make sure you go check out The Email Marketing Show, free podcast all about email marketing every single week that you're going to get absolutely loads out of it about modern email marketing, The Email Marketing Show. It also has the craziest jingle for a podcast we could not we could come up with. <laughs> we'll see you there. Don't miss a thing. Check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com.